Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. We get into the lesson. Amen. I just want to be hungry. Just want to be hungry. But I want to be hungry for the right things. Amen. I want to be hungry for the right things, for godly things. Philippians 3.13, I've preached on this even recently, going in a different direction with it today, but I love this, this portion of Scripture because it is very directive uh, towards us. And to me, it's very encouraging. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press toward the mark. There, there, there's a guy that, that's become, I guess, rather popular on social media. He plays these little videos, and he dresses himself up. He's, he's rather humorous. But one of the things that he will do sometimes, he dresses himself up and, and uh, one of these old, very colorful 80s sweaters. I used to have one. And he'll walk around with his arms kind of puffed out like this, like he's somebody. Now, he's not. He's, he's not big or built or anything. And he'll maybe walk through a place where they're working out, and these big, muscly guys, and, and, and he'll walk past them, stop and look at them, and go, Pfft. Or he'll just walk past. He'll be walking down the street, and somebody will be walking their dog, and he'll stop and look at their dog, and go, Pfft. Waiting to see what the reaction will be because that's that's kind of that's kind of a, a statement. When you're making a statement, you're like, that don't matter. That don't matter. <laughs> Some of us need to do what Paul did and look at the things that are behind us. I want everybody to turn around and go, <laughs> come on, <laughs> do it. <laughs> My past. <laughs> Maybe we have some ex-alcoholics in here, my pet. The devil would try to tie you to your past and weigh you down. I don't know a single person here that doesn't have something in your past that you wish wasn't there. And the devil will always try to drudge that up and try to make you think that you're never going to be able to get past that. But Paul said, I'm looking behind me, and if anybody had a past, Paul had a past. He said, I'm going to look at what I did, the mistakes that I did, the things that are behind me, and I'm going to go, because I've got my sight set on things that are before me. I bless you. You may be seated today. I just want to teach a lesson I've entitled, Cut the Pages. You'll understand it in a little while. Paul simplifies his goals. It's not a complicated thing that he's that he's saying here. Some of Paul's writings, I have to be honest, Brother Light, some, sometimes Paul writes some stuff, and I, I, my head starts swimming a little bit because uh, it, it gets a little hard to understand. I've had, I've had uh, somebody in this church here recently send me some scriptures that said, help me understand this. And, and uh, both times it's been from some of Paul's writings, and Paul has a lot of wonderful things that he's written, but some of his things you really have to stop. You can't just breeze through and understand it, but, but this particular writing I don't find hard to understand. Paul is very uh, deliberate in what he is saying here. He says, I count not myself to have, have, have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind me, and I reach towards those things which are before me, 
and I press towards the mark. I have a goal in mind. There is a goal. There is a target that I have set my sight upon, and I don't want to miss that mark because if I hit that mark, there is a prize for hitting it. There is a benefit of getting where I'm trying to go. Paul simplifies this for us today. He says, I'm not there yet, but I am focused on where I'm trying to get to. I've set my sight. I know where it is that I'm trying to go. I know what it is I'm trying to attain. And I believe with all my heart that the key to staying focused is by forgetting what I was and pressing towards what I want to be in Christ Jesus. And I'm like, Paul, I'm not there yet. I've got some things I'd like to overcome. I've got some things that I'd like to change. I've got some goals and some some aspirations, some spiritual things that that I think I could do better in. And that's just me being quite honest with you here today. And, And there's some things that I would love to see God do in my life. So there's some things that I want to set before me, but there are also some things that are behind me that are trying to keep me from getting where I want to be. I'm not the only one here that's dealing with that. We all deal with that to a certain degree. I want to be what God wants me to be. What good is a project that's half finished? Anybody got one of those at home? Oh, struck a nerve. That last piece of trim that you just never have laid and It's been like that for so long that you don't even notice it anymore. That little bit of paint that that you need to fix. My wife told me the other day, she said, uh, she said something about, I can't remember what it was she was mentioning. I said, you know, I just thought, I was thinking about the the shower tub, you know, how I need to caulk that. Brother Charlie came over and we he did a bang up job and and we remodeled my uh, our bathroom and and put things up and his brother came over and, and set everything in place and we put the tub in. I remember um, what his brother told me. He said, "Now you don't have to do it right away, but he said you need to caulk this tub. You you need to." Make sure that it's that it's caulked at some point. You know what? That's been probably six years ago. The tub is still not caulked, Brother Charlie. I've been waiting for you to come over and caulk my tub. But it's not his responsibility. That wasn't part of his job. His brother didn't tell uh, Brother Charlie to caulk my tub. He told me I need to caulk the tub. My wife pulled a little piece of trim out, and she said, "This I don't know what to do about this. I said, well, that's a simple fix. And she didn't say a thing, but I know what was going through her mind. Then why don't you fix it? (laughs) Projects half finished. Buildings. What happens to a building that never gets completed? We've all driven around someplace and seen somebody start a building project only to run out of money or for whatever reason have to stop halfway through and not be able to uh, accomplished the finished project, and it doesn't take very long before the weather begins to set in and things begin to take place. And if somebody doesn't come along and finish the job, it's not too long before the entire place begins to deteriorate. It can go for a little while. What good is a book half read? A book that's half read. Paul advises the Colossians, and it's good advice for us as well. 
He says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. With all your heart. As if doing it for the Lord. I can't tell you how many times when I was frustrated on the job, working in situations that were not the best, working with people that that you struggled to keep your Holy Ghost and your sanity with, working, uh, you know, out in the cold and the rain. You know, we didn't just get to say, you know what, I'm not going out and doing the job today when it was a bad, bad weather day. The job had to be finished. It had to be completed. It wasn't completed until the packages were all delivered. Not much runs very healthily on half-done projects. Paul told us, whatever you do, and I, I, I would quote this to myself so oftentimes, hey, I'm here working, but I, I'm not really working, even though I am working for this company that has hired me to do a job. And I do have a, a boss, and I do have coworkers, and I have things that I am responsible for, but it helped me if in my mind I was thinking that everything I'm doing today, I'm going to do it as if it were doing it for Jesus Christ himself. And it helped me get through the day. You know, that, that, that will work on just about anything that you are doing in this life. It will help you do it with more excellence. It will help you do it with a better attitude. Matthew wrote, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. James gives us a warning that we're double-minded, that we'll be what? Unstable. Unstable where? Well, in all your ways, in everything. Be unstable in everything. I don't want to live in an unstable world. This world that we live in is unstable. The stock market is unstable. Amen. The government is unstable. The world is unstable. The weather is unstable. There is really not too many things that you can really count on that, that the world is able to offer you. Not too many things that you can really depend on, whether it's going to be there this time tomorrow or, or next year or next month or whatever. There are so many things that are changing. There's so much instability in this world, but God has given us something that is stable, is steadfast, it is sure, it will be something that you can build your life upon and know that even though the storms will rage against it, that what you have built your life upon is stability in him. I don't want to be double-minded. I've always been somewhat of a reader. My earliest memories, I started thinking, where did I learn my love for, for reading? And, and I came to the conclusion that it was back in, in my, my kindergarten years. And uh, I remember our class was, it was divided by this semi-wall, but, but our kindergarten class was also connected to the school library. And so every time I walked into that class in kindergarten, I could smell those books. Anybody know what, the, what I'm talking about, the, the smell of books, when you got a lot of books that, that are in a room, and they just that, that smell just permeates the, the atmosphere in that room. And I would walk into that, that classroom, but you could smell the books in the library. And I can remember always looking over at the books and seeing all the different colors and, and, and the, uh, the, 
the, the covers of the books and, and wondering what was on the inside of those, the stories that they would tell. And I began to develop uh, the ability to read, and so our teacher would take us over there and let us check out books. And, and I can still remember some of the books that were in that library, and that's been a lot of years ago, folks. I mean, that wasn't yesterday, and that wasn't last year. That's been a long time ago. I began to learn to read, and I began to learn to love to read. Several weeks ago, I went to uh, a, uh, a little deal with Easton and Bennett to their school. It was Grandparents' Day or something like that. We went out, and everybody gathered together and, and uh, sat together. We ate some cookies and watched a little program. Kids sang and did some reading and stuff like that, just kind of showing what they were learning. And then after... After the festivities of the day, then we were able to go with them. They were like, Grandpa, you want to go see my, my classroom? Well, yeah, of course I do. I mean, this school, it's, it's, it's not a brand-new facility. It's, it's an old school, and, and I kind of like the way that they, they operate things there, and it's just a, just a neat place, but it just kind of took me back, even just walking the hallways and going up the steps. And then we entered into the rooms, and along the, the walls of both of their rooms, it was lined with books, and immediately the smell hit me of those books. And it wasn't a, it's not a bad smell. I enjoy that smell. But I could have closed my eyes and been five years old again back in 1972, standing in the library of that little rural school in Pinckneyville, Illinois. I, it all came drifting back to me simply by the sensation of the smell I was having there in that classroom. All those books that were in there. I loved that little bit of time together. I loved the road that it took me down just by being in that room with those boys, the smell of those books. See, I've had a love for reading for a lot of years now. There have been times when books have been my teacher. I've learned a lot from reading. But other times they have had the ability to transport me to a different place in time. I really feel sorry for children today that, that really don't get to use their imagination that much. So much is, is given to them and fed to them that they don't really have to come up uh, with their own way of figuring things out and having fun. I, I don't know that that's been a, a great thing for our society to just entertain our children in such a way that they cannot figure out how to entertain themselves. I mean, I, I remember being a kid, and, and I mean, we didn't have many toys. I, I, I didn't have all that much. And for me, a, a big Christmas was getting, a, you know, six packs of socks and a, and a new basketball. That was my Christmas. And maybe a couple other things. You know, Grandma was in there somewhere, you know, always hand you that, that $10 bill or something so you could go down to, well, there was no Walmart, so it was a Walker's Five and Dime. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, careful. People figure out your age. <laughs> Who all likes Branson? Old downtown Branson. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Who's been down to the five and dime in the old downtown Branson? Does that not transport you right back? It's like I walk in there, I hardly ever buy anything, but I just walk around and look at it and I'm like, I remember that and I remember this. I like going to antique stores because I'm an antique. I relate to everything that's in there. I figured it out. 
I used to have that Adam 12 lunchbox. Check this out. My wife's like, I don't care about that, you know. But I'm like, I'm a little kid again. I, I, I'm walking down memory lane here. Books have done that for me. I've been in battles. I've fought, fought villains in my mind, you know. I've trudged through streams and climbed mountains trying to survive through the mind of some writer that, that I've enjoyed his writings. I'm not really doing that, but, but I'm standing there in proxy in my mind. I become a part of the story. Been directed to do better in my finances by the wisdom of Brother Dave Ramsey. Great men and women of God, both past and present, give me one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions through the wisdom of their knowledge of the Word of God and the relationship with God, and I've had the ability to sit and read. I, I have, I've fallen in love and been, been transformed by things that I've, I've read in these books. I, I've had a depth of my relationship with God deepened by reading. I found that in this day of sound bites and memes that it has become increasingly hard, very difficult for me to stay focused on a book. Something's happened in my mind the way, the way I think about those things. And I think there's so many things that distract us. And one of the worst things is got something right here in my pocket. Pick that up. I'll be reading something, something will ding, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm off into another world. Hard for me to get through. I, 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 just being completely honest with you this morning, I have several books that I have begun to read, and, and I've marked them, but they remain unfinished. That's something I've got to change. That's something I have to work on. That's, that's a mindset that I have to fight because I want to have the ability to stay, stay focused on the task like Paul was focused. He said, I've set my mind on a certain place. And yes, I struggle with the things of the past. Yes, I struggle with a thorn in the flesh. Yes, I struggle with my humanity and my shortcomings. But I am bound and determined not to let any of those things in my past keep me from where I want to be in Christ Jesus. There is a prize if I hit that mark, and I refuse to let anything stop me from receiving that prize. Not so much anymore, but in the old days when the publishers would publish a book and this title slide here today, kind of if you look closely, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. They would use both sides of the pages and when a person would purchase the book and it was a brand new book and never been read before, the person would begin to read the book and he would have to keep with him a pen knife or something so he could stick it in between pages, the pages that were yet uncut, and cut them so he could read what was in between. There's a story that has impacted me over the years. I've heard it used elsewhere. I've used it before. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. But there was a young man that was just 
about six weeks from going off to college, and he and his father had a great relationship, and they'd always been close, and so he went to his dad, and he said, Dad, he said, uh, he said I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but if, if you were intending on getting me a going away present for college, he said, I think it would just be so incredible if you could just buy me a an old secondhand car. It doesn't have to be much. I could take the car and I could I could paint it up the way, you know, just crazy painting, spray paintings on it. Just a college car, just some kind of just something that I could get around in. And his dad said, Well, okay, son, I, you know, let me think about that. But he said, wouldn't you be happier with a brand new car? Of course, the, the young man's eyes lit up. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely would. That would that would be are you telling me that that you're considering a brand new car? Dad said, well, not today, but l- let me think about it. And he said, but here, he said, I want to hand you something. And he handed him this book. And he said, I want you to take and I want you to read this entire book. Because in the pages of the, this book are a lot of lessons, a lot of valuable lessons for your life that will help you tremendously. And as a personal favor to me, I want you to read this book. It was an old book that pages were yet un, uh, uncut. It was a brand new book that pages were yet uncut. And so he said, now, now here's the deal. He said, you could only cut the pages as you read the book. I don't want you going in cutting all the pages, then reading the book. I want you to cut the pages as you read the book. So it's a great, no problem. He took the book and he began to read it. A few days went by and he said, have you given any more thought, Dad, to, to the car? He said, well, have you read the book? I mean, I asked you to read the book. He said, well, yeah, I'm reading it. He said, okay. He said, well, let's talk about the car later. He said, I'm not, not yet decided what to do. And time went on. It got down to just a few days before the young man had gone off. He was going to have to pack and go off to college. And he was kind of disturbed. He felt like his dad had kind of let him down. You know, he didn't quite understand why that he would even bring it up if he wasn't going to buy him the car and he was had this expectation, why would you even say anything? And So he went into his father's study and he sat down next to him. He said, Dad, he said, I don't understand something. Maybe you can help me understand. He said, we've always been close. You and I have always, you know, we, we've been just tight. And, and, and I'm trying to understand why you, would, why you would say that and why you haven't bought me the car. And he said, well, have you read the book? He said, I've read most of the book. He said, there are just a, a few pages that I haven't read. He said, well, go, go get me the book. He brought the book in and handed it to his father, and his father pulled this little letter opener out from his desk drawer, and he cut the last few pages of the book. And when he got to the very last page, out fell a check to the local car dealership for the full price of a brand-new car. Well, the son started jumping up and down with, with joy. He was so excited. He grabbed that check and he looked at it, but then all of a sudden the reality struck him. He said, I don't deserve this check because I didn't do what you asked me to do. He tore the check up. He threw it in the fire. The father watched his son and he saw the remorse in his son's eyes and saw that a lesson had been learned, and so he grabbed his son and brings him in close to him. He said, son, I just wanted to teach you something. I don't want you to go through life and not be able to finish what you started. 
I don't want you to go through life and only get so far and then quit. I don't want you to leave any pages uncut. He said, because at the end of your story, at the end of your story, if you cut all the pages, if you finish everything you start, there is a reward that is waiting on you. I thought to myself, there are so many valuable lessons in that for us today. I've seen so many. I, I'm not brand new to this. I, I, you know, we have a wonderful thing that, that's going on here, but, but those pictures that my wife was talking about earlier, there, there's some great joy that I get from those, and then there's some great sorrow. That's just life. I look at those pictures as they scroll through, and I see old wedding pictures of when my kids got married to, to their spouses, and, and I, I reminisce about how wonderful of those, those days were, and I see other pictures of those that we have laid in the ground and we've said goodbye to, and my heart stings, and, and maybe a, a tear begins to fill my eye, and I see different ones that, that were filled with the Holy Ghost here that no longer are they serving God. And, and I see all kinds of things. I see people's stories is what I see. And, and I see where they're at in life. And, and, and so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them, I look at them and I say, they did not finish what they started. They left so many pages uncut that they don't even know where their story ends. They don't know how it ends. And so oftentimes, how many stories, if you finish in the middle, they finish in despair. They finish in tragedy. There's all kinds of problems. You've got to get to the end of the book if you want to see the hero win the day. Amen. In our book that we are reading, amen, the Bible, at the end of it, it tells us of a great victory. Don't stop in the middle of your story. Cut the rest of the pages because there is a reward to those who diligently seek him. Yeah. That young man was so close to missing out on an incredible gift because he simply did not follow through with the simple instructions given to him by his father. You know what scares me as a pastor? These are my fears. I'm, I'm just being pretty transparent this morning with you. Greatest fear, possibly the greatest challenge that I face isn't what you might think it would be. Yeah, there's things that make me nervous. <laughs> there's things that, that, that I have to really... My faith gets tested in, you know, we go into a building project. I'm looking at things. I'm like, oh, boy, this is kind of over my head. That's why we have good people helping me. I'm not doing this by myself. We're going to get ourselves educated. And we're, going to, we're going to do things the right way. Those are, those are challenges that we face, but that's not my greatest fear. Building a new building, a new facility, that's not my greatest fear. We were in a building last night. We were in a church up in Maryville. We walked in the front doors and, and, and were looking for where the, my sister-in-law's birthday party was going to be held. I felt like I was walking in the mall. It, this place was so massive and so big. I like, man, I'm getting on my, I'm getting hungry just walking down to the, where we got to go. I hope they have some good food. And, and it was just a massive place. And we walked into their chapel where they have their, their, 
their, their high school chapel at. And I looked around that chapel. I said, this is just a, a little offshoot, a little side room of, of this church. And I said, I'm looking around here saying, man, I would love to have this chapel for our church. It was amazing in there. It was decorated beautifully. It had sound system. It had all the, the media systems in their little chapel. But it would have seated probably 300, 350 people. I was looking at that place in, in awe, and that wasn't even their main sanctuary. It's not a building that is my greatest fear. My greatest fear is not being able to help people live to their full potential in God. My greatest fear is investing in people only to see different ones thrown away. The thing that hurts me the most is to watch somebody that has great potential not live up to that potential in God. To see somebody start reading the book never cut the final pages to see how their story could have ended. Somehow they get discouraged midway. Sometimes how their, their attention gets, uh, gets distracted partway through their story, and they can't see a way out when God has already written the rest of their story. But they change it, and they'll never know the end unless the final pages are cut. Almost, I don't know how many years ago now, probably 13, 12, 13 years ago, been well over 10. Our good friend, Bishop Edmondson, pastored down the road here. Great man of God, great influencer in our community lay in his living room on a hospice bed, spending his final few days with his family around him. They had been so kind to to our family. Back then, we were relatively new to town, had been here long enough to get to know them, have a few services with them. Bishop Edmondson, he was he was kind of quiet to himself, but he was a powerhouse in his own right. Sister Edmondson, you just had to know her. <laughs> oh, my, was she a lot of fun. She was a spunky woman. Let's just put it that, let's just put it that way. She was a lot of fun. My wife and I went over to their house. We were invited to go over there and just visit with him and his final few days. and. We were in there greeting the family, and they welcomed us. They were so kind. Began to go in there where Bishop Edmondson was at, began to speak with him a little bit. His strength was waning. His story was coming to an end. His life was just about to finish, and the chapter that it was being that was being written was the final chapter. We knew it. You know, I've seen a lot of people start the race and falter along the way, but not Bishop Edmondson. He was a fighter till the end. We went in there and spoke with him for a few minutes, and then he said, let's pray. 
said, yeah, we, we, we want to do that, Brother Edmondson. We want to pray for you, you know. <laughs> That's what was in my mind, but he had other plans. Because as we began to pray for him, he took over. Or I should say the Lord took over through him. He began to pray over me and my wife. And the few days before he passed away, as he prayed for us, the power of the Lord came into that room, and he began to prophesy things over us. He began to speak words of encouragement over us. The Holy Ghost fell in that little living room in that man's last few final days, and the entire family felt the power of God. And I know for one thing, one thing for sure, I felt the power and the anointing of God come over us. Amen. And as we were there thinking we were going to help him, amen, how surprised we were when we walked out to feel like we didn't help him at all. He's still going to go the way of the grave, amen, but he sure spoke words of life into us. Let it be said at the end of my life, when my story ends, that I have cut every page. I don't want to go out down. I don't want to go out discouraged. I want to go out in a mighty blaze of revival. I want to go out feeling the anointing of the Holy Ghost when I draw my last breath. I want every page to be cut that God wants to be cut in my life. Man spoke to us. He went out under an anointing. Just stand today and where music come. We were at a funeral of a dear elderly lady a few weeks back. She was a sweetheart of a woman to church with her for seven years while we were in Highland, Sister Apthorpe, Sister Doris Apthorpe. Precious, precious saint of God. Her and I had a special relationship where we would tease each other, had a lot of fun with each other. We'd been gone for years, and she had her 90th birthday party four or five years ago. She made sure we got an invitation. I made sure we... We made it to it. She was a special lady. Her request at her funeral was that she wanted me and my wife and my sister-in-law to sing. Happy to. But blessed assurance, uh, no. Peace, peace, wonderful, no. Going home with Jesus. Are we going to have it at the church? No, it's going to be at the funeral home. You don't turn down Sister Doris Absorb's last request. And so we took our place in that funeral home. People gathered all, there, there were people standing, there was no place to sit probably a couple hundred people at that final resting place. We began to sing that song as others others did as well. We weren't the only ones. The presence of the Lord came into that place right there. The pastor took his place and he said, you know what? Feels like church in here. 
Sister Apthorpe would have loved that. The service was over, and I was standing there with my brother-in-law, who was her pastor. We were having a conversation. The little gal that ran the funeral that day, she walked up to us, and she, big smile on her face. You never know what people are going to think, you know. One of these funeral people think, we're singing Going Home with Jesus, like, woo-ha, we're going to have a great time. <laughs> you thinking, are they looking at us like, the lady is dead. Can we not show her some? This is what she wanted. That's all I'm saying. It's what she wanted. She had a big smile on her face. You see, she felt something that day, and she wanted us to know she felt something that day. What we didn't know was that she, she has a connection with apostolic Pentecostals back up north. As a matter of fact, Brother Anthony Maynard officiated her wedding. Brother Maynard pastors great church in Rockford, Illinois, one of our UPC churches. So sometimes when we think that things are, we got to, uh-uh. I think Sister Apthorpe stepped into the next world being like, that's exactly what I wanted, somebody to feel, somebody to feel what I lived with, the presence, the joy of the Holy Ghost. Even after she had drawn her last breath, she was still ministering to people. She left no page uncut. Every sentence, every paragraph, every period was read. I think she even left a little afterthought <laughs> at the end. Author's notes. That's what it was at that funeral. It's like, oh, by the way, I hope that when you gather together and you say your final farewell to me that you feel the Lord. I want this church to be that kind of church. I want my life to have that kind of impact. Does it mean you have to be perfect? just means you have to keep pressing towards the mark. Would you bow your heads today? I feel the Lord in such a powerful way, and I'm expecting a great move of God. I just want us to remember and realize that there is a cause worth fighting toward, that there is a mark that you and I need to hit. Because if we make it there, there is a prize that is beyond your wildest expectation. Paul said there's a crown that awaits those that just keep pressing forward. Don't jump ship. Don't lay the story of your life down midstream. But keep cutting the pages and let that story unravel because it's a story that God has written for you. And its ending is one of victory and glory and power and joy.
Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.